I actually went to a Sikh um, like school. So it was like a religious school, like Sikh Academy. It was close by. And then my mom was like, you know, it, it, they, they do good education, this and that. And I like, you know, at first I don't really want to go because um, like there was like stuff you had to do, like as in uh, maybe cover your hair and stuff like during the day. So I was born in Nepal, right? And then I think my dad came over, um, I think 1999 or 2000 and um, just a year or like on the year I was born. So I was, uh, some people might feel insecure um, about talking about it or like they're like, uh, they might not want to put that kind of importance on money in front of their kids. Like they're like, you know, because, you know, money can be bad if you obviously go into the wrong path. But a lot of brands were getting like FOMO as well. They're like, you know, oh, we need to be on TikTok or like create content on TikTok. So um, if I have 100K, I'll charge like 100 pounds, for example. And like, that's why I've been there since the start. But then obviously, um, you know, connecting with different creators and other fellow TikTokers within the same niche as well. Um, I think the average now is like, 1k per 100k but like you know obviously people have that kind of um view on tiktok about oh yeah it's like you know for kids or like people dance on it and stuff like that so it's definitely been funny to hear those stories but it's never been like oh like you need to get off tiktok like you shouldn't be on there welcome to the valuable podcast where there is value in every conversation i'm your host victor sasanya and today i am joined with ash thapa TikTok content creator with over 345,000 followers. In this episode, we learn how to become a valued content creator and successfully monetize, as well as balance a university degree while staying consistent. Talk to me about your upbringing. What country are you from? Um, and where did um, you grow up? So, originally, I'm from Nepal. So, I like, um, I was born in Nepal, right? And then I think my dad came over, um, I think, 1999 or 2000. And um, just a year or like on the year I was born. So I was born in 2000. Uh, I was there with my grandparents to about, I was like four or five. I'm not too sure on the numbers, but uh, my mom came, my mom went to England as well, like about three years after I was born. So I grew up with my grandparents for like the last two years I was in Nepal and um, literally just been in West London since and just grew up here and, you know, just um, been here since and got a little brother. But yeah, that's the family. Wow, and and what's it like, sort of relocating? Do you do you remember what it was like at that young age, around four or five years old? Um, not really. Um, I think I feel like a lot of people have like a lot of memories when they were that age, but I have like little flashbacks and stuff. But I don't remember much. Like even um, when I do go back, like you know, I can remember certain things, but nothing like you know, it's like oh yeah, like I remember doing this, this, this when I was at that age. Yes, for sure. And what's Nepal like? Um, I think it's like a pretty standard like third world country type of vibe like I don't know if you've seen like um, videos of like India or like you know uh, surrounding countries like that but um, it's nothing you know crazy like um, the roads can be rough sometimes or like there's markets and stuff but uh, like pretty typical it's it's definitely a nice place though and you know definitely if you go to um, different cities like the nature's great you know the views are great and um, obviously the people are really um, like you know welcoming and stuff like that so I think yes. it's a great place to visit of course and growing up in Nepal coming away to West London I'm sure it was mm. like a massive shift in culture no it was it was good man like you know it's a pretty I think everywhere in London is pretty diverse so you know growing up always had like a group of diverse friends and like um, it was it was pretty calm and um, like like I said I don't remember much from when I was actually moving across so it wasn't like uh, I was like a 
foreigner type of kid. I mean, maybe I was, I just don't remember. But, um, you know, it, it was like a nice upbringing. I was always been like sporty and stuff. So like always playing for like the school team or just participating in those events. So that's really what I enjoyed when I was a bit younger and like um, maybe doing some like drawing and stuff as like hobbies. But yeah, that's about it for when I was in primary school, secondary school. And yeah. And what secondary school did you go to? I actually went to a Sikh um, like school. So it was like a religious school, like Sikh Academy. It was close by. And then my mom was like, you know, it, it, they, they do good education, this and that. And I like, you know, at first I don't really want to go because um, like there was like stuff you had to do, like as in uh, maybe cover your hair and stuff like during the day. So there was those kind of restrictions and you had to learn like certain culture stuff. And like, obviously at, at year seven, all my friends going to like this other school and uh, I'm going to like a, um, you know, religious school. So I was like not really happy, but then obviously made great memories there, friends, everything. So, you know, I'm grateful that I went there as well and like learned more about the Sikh culture as well. No, that's actually really, really fascinating. And do you think that sort of shaped you? Because um, I think at that crucial age from year seven to 11 is where we make lots of friends, is where we become mm-hmm. aware, is where we grow. Um, so, you know, going to a religious school, do you think that's had a great impact on your life in terms of what you're doing now? Um, I'm not too sure, like, how much it had to do with, like, it being a religious school. But, like, you know, like, just the people I was surrounded with, like, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of um, good decisions. And I think, uh, just from that, like I, I was able to learn a lot, and um, you know, like maybe there is like some sort of um, like backing to towards like how it shaped me. But um, I wouldn't say there was anything like you know huge that I kind of noticed that was a different um, kind of vibe. Of course, and was that where you went for sixth form or college or uh, no? So sixth form, I actually went to another school. First year, um, I chose like physics, biology, and uh, business, right? And I was just like, yeah, like, this is fine. And then, like, physics just knocked me out of the park. Uh, so then I had to drop that because initially I was going to go in for mechanical engineering or, like, civil engineering for uni. But, um, like, and I was like, no, I'm going to change to computer science. I had a few, like, family members in that field as well. So I was like, yeah, um, you know, money's there as well. Like, I'm kind of interested. Um, I prefer this over engineering. So I changed, like, my subjects. So I had to do, like, an extra year before I went to uni so um yeah I'm just thinking so sort of going to a religious school then you went to a sixth form and mm-hmm. you're really focused on doing computer science um yeah. when did finance come into the picture is this something you talk about on your tiktok credit cards mm-hmm. tax investing personal savings is this something you picked up in school um or did you sort of learn this by yourself no I wouldn't say I picked up it I picked it up in school and um I think it's just mainly like you know uh like being from like Asian culture and stuff like I don't really have like that, like pocket money you know like it's like ten pound a week right like two pound a day uh, kind of like just for food and stuff like especially when I was in high school and stuff and like maybe a bit more when I was a bit older but I just wanted to have like my own money and being like controlled of it right not having to worry about oh like asking my mom for money or like, asking my dad for money and like they're like oh where did you spend this and, like why did you spend it on that and um, it was just kind of that like I, like I said I went to like the how to make money online kind of thing. And uh, just like for one search led to another and it just kind of rolled into that kind of uh, space. Do you think that speaking about finance was sort of like a household topic growing up in a Nepal household or was it like a taboo? No, I think it's pretty taboo. Like even now, um, just in general, I think it's pretty taboo, to be honest. And why do you think that is? I'm not too sure, you know, I don't know, maybe like uh, some people might feel insecure 
um, about talking about it or like they're like uh, they might not want to put that kind of importance on money in front of their kids like they're like you know because you know money can be bad if you obviously go into the wrong path but I think there there are a number of different reasons but uh, it's always been taboo in like my household anyway um, it's like always a brief talk or like n- never kind of like really dive in but obviously once I, as I've gotten older it has opened up a bit more but I would say it's pretty still taboo like generally so you've went on TikTok and you've built a name for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I said, you're highly valued on TikTok with, you know, 345k followers and this is will be growing <laughs> by the time yeah. of this podcast release. So um, talk to me about how do you remain relevant on TikTok and how do you continue to post things that are value that are actually teaching people? Um, yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, the thing about relevance that you said is... Um, really more of like being consistent like because I feel like personal finance is always going to be relevant right Um, it's just like being in front of people's faces and uh, consistently doing it because you know some people might want to hear it in one perspective or uh, another so like with finance as well there's not much you can really talk about like there's only so much right you can talk about Um, obviously if you go into like little crack and stuff that's about personal finance there's only so much that you need to kind of like look over and take care of So I think it's just kind of repurposing that into like different perspectives and like different scenarios where uh, people might understand it this way or some people might understand it like another way. You know, it's like I've always been like, okay, like even if this video just helps one person, like I'll be happy. That's really good. I want to actually touch on that. If this video Mm -hmm. helps one person, you'll be happy because I think that once we content creators, should I say, once Mm -hmm. they post content, we can get caught up in something called vanity metrics. And, you know, we're really fussed about the likes, um, the the story posts or the reshares etc we actually lose sight of why we're actually doing what we're doing and who is Mm -hmm. meant to help so it's really good that you know at the back of your mind you're really focused on helping that one person but I guess my question now is like you said there is a wide range of information available on the internet we live in a generation Mm -hmm. through a google search I can get free information about personal finance so I'm really intrigued to know what is it about you why do people trust you on tiktok mm-hmm. why do people follow you why do people listen to your content why do people share it um i think the main reason right um especially with like what i've said about um just trying to hit it from di- different perspectives i just trying to be as authentic as i can and um just be kind of like true like just put it out there as it is and obviously trying to make it simple as well because you know you hear a lot of stuff like or even stuff you find on the internet it might have a lot of like jargon which you might not understand. So, you know, I just want to keep it like as simple as possible, but also complex enough where like it actually makes sense that, okay, like, uh, you know, I can implement this myself or like it's relevant to me. Um, So I think that's the main thing about what me personally, that's what in my opinion, just kind of be authentic and try and provide as much value as I can. So talk to me about the process, the system in order to provide that value. So do you sit down and just think about loads of different ideas in terms of content? Do you schedule a mm-hmm. day in in order to record, batch record those videos, edit? What is your system or process to ensure that you're being consistent on TikTok? Um, so I normally have like in my journal, right? Like I'll be like, okay, like cool. Today I'm going to plan three TikTok videos, right? So then every day I'll plan like three TikTok videos, for example, on like, you know, a good week. Like, I haven't done that in the past week just because of like exams and stuff. But um, that's usually what I do. And um, then, like, on the Sunday, for example, like, that'll be my recording day. And then I'll record all of, the, like, the TikToks 
um, and then edit them, like just put, push them together. And then when I actually need to post it, um, I just add like the captions and like subtitles or whatnot and um, just post it, to be honest. That's really good. And I remember you tweeted something such as um, before you started TikTok, that TikTok turns sort of irrelevant people into influencers. Do you think that was the oh, case yeah, for yourself? Yeah, uh, yeah like definitely, because I think um, the main reason I saw TikTok and like kind of felt it towards TikTok was because of Gary Vee. And um, I think like, you know, just just seeing like the different things. Right. Um, I'm not sure if. Yeah, I think that was before I started TikTok. Right. And I was just seeing like so many people blow up and I was like, like, this is actually crazy. Like, this is true. And a lot of people think the app is just for dancing. But like, you know, there's so much more being um, it being used for right now. So, um, yeah, I think that's still true. And do you look up to Gary Vee? For some people yeah. who, who are listening, they don't know who mm-hmm. Gary Vee is. So who is Gary okay. Vee? What impact has he had on your life? And why do you think that um, the information he's shared is of value? Um, you know, like a lot of people label him as like a motivational speaker, which he can be. But I think he's just like a really like true and big entrepreneur, like as a person, right? Like I think he 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 dips his toes in everything, like, you know, from um like recently NFTs to like um creating content online and he he's a content king himself, right? Like if you see the amount of content he posts and stuff. So I mean he's he's a really valuable person to like go to if you wanna um learn more about, you know, like social media entrepreneurship and like what's kind of relevant or even is gonna be relevant. Like he he said TikTok was gonna blow up it blew up, right? And like um, that, he's had a lot of that kind of like track record in the past with a lot of different things. So um, I've always found him interesting and very authentic in my eyes. Yes, I remember reading something about Gary Vee. He said something mm-hmm. along the lines. I won't quote him specifically, but mm-hmm. he said that he does speaking engagements for like five or ten minutes, not for the money, but for the content because yeah. he can chop that in 30 different ways and I think he released the Gary V content model I'm not sure if you've mm-hmm. seen it mm-hmm. where he talks about how to actually take um long content make it into micro content repurpose that content and just have like one 10 minute video he's posting across yeah. 16 different social media platforms and okay. of course he says content is king and I think that's very really important and you yourself are a, a great content creator so um what is your day like in terms of balancing university and being a content creator because you said you mentioned that you had exams so i guess that mm-hmm. you study and and where do you study if you don't mind me asking yeah so i'm studying at Coventry university right now and in, i'm in my final year studying computer science and computer science is obviously not a easy easy sailing degree so yeah. um how do you manage your time day to day what does your calendar so, look like um like so what what i've done recently um maybe not in the first year or like second uh, like kind of year maybe half second half of second year but um like transplay up into blocks so you know i'll do like a uni block uh like the first half of the day or like second half of the day depending on when my actual like scheduled lessons are and then like for the like next four or five hours i'll just focus on like like the entrepreneurship type of um you know uh quote like space and like the tiktok and stuff like that because initially when i started tiktok it wasn't to be like i I didn't want to be a content creator like it was just like i'm just gonna post because like i enjoy um you know this type of content i think i can provide value i'll learn along the way like i'm not an expert and um also like it can build my personal brand so that that was like the main motivation behind it like it was never to be i never thought i was going to be like a content creator or like uh label myself as a content creator but obviously 
um, we're here now. So yeah. <laughs> yes, you're here now on the Valuable Podcast. If you're listening, yeah. don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to get valuable insights from myself and Ash. But um, that's quite interesting that you never actually planned to be a content creator because I'm sure some people are listening and they're thinking they have this grand plan of posting on TikTok and reaching 300, 400K, right? They're, they're, they're looking at so many people's videos such as yourself. They're writing down what makes it good, what makes it bad, etc. So to somebody starting out, do you recommend having such a focused approach into content creation or do you think they should just get started and see where it goes? Um, I think, you know, that's definitely important about what you said, like, you know, having it noted down and stuff. Like, I've, I've never done that before. Like, you know, j- just to, like, put out there. And I think the important thing is just to get started. Like, literally, you'll learn more from getting started than actually uh, writing down um, everything, like, in my opinion, anyway. Um, because I feel like a lot of people, with whatever it is, um, we can get into, like, a, a mode of, like, or, like, a state of, like, analysis paralysis, where it's, like, you know, you're overthinking it too much. And, like, like okay, how can I make my first perfect TikTok? Um, this and that and like you just don't end up doing it or like you just never kind of really build the momentum so you know I've, I've definitely been like a victim of that and uh, did that at the start but just start out by doing it and you'll see what works wow 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 analysis paralysis let's break that down a bit so what exactly is analysis paralysis and you said that you suffered from it so how do you actually overcome it so um, overcome it, but just by doing it, like literally just, just do it. Like it sounds like cliche, right? Like you hear it a lot, just do it, but literally just do it. Uh, but I think, you know, analysis paralysis kind of tongue twister, but um, literally I think because a lot of people look at themselves as like per- perfectionists or whatnot. Like I don't know maybe um, when you, before you started this podcast, right? Like you thought about, okay, cool. Like, uh, like the mic, the setup, like guests, like all these different kind of components, right? You think of, um, doing it like even on TikTok you're like okay what, what type of content am I going to post like do I need a system to like uh, be consistent with it like uh, maybe a video camera because obviously people are doing it now with like cameras and stuff so like just kind of thinking too much and like analyzing the situation too much right and it's like it paralyzes you almost because you never end up doing what you're said what you said you're going to do because you're doing too much of like this analysis so um, yeah I think that's a really big thing and it's common um, in like different industries yes wow that's so good that's so good and just talking about um the sort of tiktok industry and content creation yes you have a lot of followers on tiktok and um people esteem you of high value but how much does that mean when it comes to actually making money from tiktok do you make any money from tiktok if you do how how do you make money yeah so um i think the main like there's there's two different or like two three different ways of like making money on TikTok, right? Um, because obviously you have the TikTok Creator Fund. I mean, they don't pay you like huge amounts, but um, you know that that's just one sort of like kind of income you can have. Can you quickly break that down for me in case of people yeah. who don't know what the TikTok Creator Fund is? Sure. So it's just like you know, once you're over like 10k, I think 10k followers, um, you can apply to be a part of this Creator Fund, which uh, where TikTok pays you per like thousand views. And um, I'm not sure, like, um, the specifics, but, you know, like, they pay you a certain amount per, like, thousand views. And it depends on, like, you know, it, it's not much, like, um, for example, I think if I get, like, 500k views on a video, it will probably be, like, uh, £10 or something like that. So it's not much compared to YouTube, right? Because if you're getting that much, like, you're going to get paid uh, a lot more. 
but that's just one way of obviously producing income from TikTok. Um, second way is like brands working with brands and like doing sponsorships. So I think that's the main way that influencers in general just make uh, their money, right? So that's the second way, just promoting brands and like working with them. And I think the third way is just actually monetizing your audience. Like um, I've kind of like tried to do it, but not really at the same time because I didn't want to monetize, but um, I did like this budget tracker thing, right? And uh, got people, like made it really cheap. But I just wanted to have like people have some skin in the game so they actually use it um, because I feel like budgeting is like something that's really boring uh, for most people and they're not really going to stick with it if they don't have something invested. But yeah, I think those are the three main ways of making money. And yeah. What is your success like with the creator fund? I think you really touched on that around 500k mm-hmm. views pay around 10 pound then you got working with brands so do you personally have brands reaching out to you do you go out and reach out to brands and say hey look i've got this amount of following this is my amount of engagement Mm -hmm. and the third one was monetizing your audience in terms of actually trying to push out a product or service to them and get them invested in purchasing so what's your success like with these three different sources of income um, the TikTok creator fund, I've never really like paid attention to it or like thought about, okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm going to like sustain my life with the fund. Right. Um, cause I think you can do that with YouTube, like YouTube will literally pay you and, um, like you can live your life with that, but you know, it's not a huge thing. So, um, I haven't really paid much attention to that. Um, in terms of brands and sponsorships, I've never actually reached out to brands, but, um, I did like, I think after a certain point. You know, I was getting like a lot of brands reaching out to me and asking to, you know, promote themselves on my TikTok or like uh, make videos for them or whatnot. And, you know, I think a lot of brands were getting like FOMO as well. They're like, you know, oh, we need to be on TikTok or like create content on TikTok. So, you know, there's been quite a lot of um, success with that. But um, I think it depends on how you kind of charge as well, because, you know, there's different niches within TikTok as well. I'm obviously in like the finance entrepreneurship niche. Um, and I think, different type of brands come to you and like you have different rates in terms of what niche you're in. So I think the most success um, has been with that because, you know, I never really wanted to monetize my audience anyway. Uh, Like, I don't know, like I just don't feel comfortable doing it, but um, yeah, I think the brands and sponsorship were the main things for me. Perfect. So what's sort of the average amount in the finance and entrepreneurship niche on TikTok that one can get by doing a video for a brand? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that, uh, actually, because recently um, I've up my prices as well. So initially I was doing like, I think one pound, um, no, 10 pound or like 100 pound per 100K followers, right? So like um, if I have 100K, I'll charge like 100 pound, for example. And like that's what I've been doing since the start. But then obviously, um, you know, connecting with different creators and other fellow TikTokers within the same niche as well. Um, I think the average now is like, 1k per 100k so you know three say you have 300k followers the the rate is 300k i mean sorry 3k for a post not 300k but yeah no no that's definitely um good to know so a tiktok of around 300k followers can actually make 3k a post and i'm sure that there's so much different creative posts you can make so it's not just like one post you could probably do Mm. maybe more than one or two for the same sort of client if that makes sense and um 
I guess my next question is for somebody listening and thinking, wow, that's amazing. That's a lot of income, more money than I've ever made. Do you think it's too late to join TikTok and start building up a brand? No, not at all. I don't think so. I think, you know, it's still got that variety about it. And anyone literally like that tweet that you uh, found, like, I think it can change anyone who's like, you know, might not feel that relevant to like someone you know, micro influencer, if not like e- e- there's, there's people with like five, 10 K followers, even generating income and brands reaching out to them and um, they're making money through that. So, you know, I think it's definitely not late at all. Still pretty early, I would say. Wow. Still pretty early. You're encouraging yeah. me to, <laughs> to quit the podcast and jump on TikTok. <laughs> um, but um, I guess uh, my next question is, so TikTok, you're on TikTok and you have, 345k followers and you've mentioned youtube quite a lot one thing i noticed is that you have 308 subscribers on youtube but over 300,000 on tiktok so talk to me about the conversion of followers from tiktok to youtube are you struggling with that or or do you think that's a feasible route in order to increase your subscribers on youtube and build your brand um i think definitely it is a feasible route like if you play it right but I just haven't made YouTube a priority, right? Um, and, like, that's my own fault. Um, I initially wanted to be like, okay, cool. Like, that, that, that was my plan, right? Like, move over my kind of TikTok followers to YouTube and, like, other platforms and whatnot. But um, YouTube was, like, I, I never really kind of focused on it. And, like, I, I enjoy watching, like, this type of content on YouTube, but um, I feel like I'm more... Um, I, I like to be more hands-on. And with YouTube, like, kind of talking to the camera or whatnot for, like a couple, you know, much longer than on TikTok, a couple of minutes is like, I would have to put a lot more time into it than I am doing now anyway, uh, which I literally can't, or like, I'm not prioritizing right now. Like it's not my main priority to be actually to do that. It's not my main focus. So um, I think that's been the main thing. I haven't really tried to push it like that, but you know, there was one example of a video I uploaded. I made a video about it on TikTok and that got like, quite a lot of people coming across from TikTok to watch that video. So I think definitely there's like um, a lot you can leverage there, but yeah, it's just not really focused on it a lot, to be honest. Sure. Sure. And I think you mentioned something really valuable there and you're talking about your return on your time investment. So when it comes to TikTok, the amount of time you put into it, you get a larger investment than you do from YouTube. So do you think you'll ever sort of have a bigger brand on YouTube than TikTok? Because I've heard that TikTok is n- not for the long term. The longevity mm-hmm. in it is is questionable. And we Definitely. see um, competitors such as Instagram posting Instagram reels. We see YouTube bringing out YouTube shorts. So if I asked you, where do you think the success lies in the long term? What, what would you say? Um, I think just like diversifying the content, to be honest, but, um, you know, definitely moving across to YouTube. Uh, maybe not in the short term, but definitely in the long term, just kind of shifting over there because obviously I'm still at uni. I'm going to be finished soon, but um, kind of shifting over to being more focused on creating content on YouTube. That's actually valuable because I just, I don't just want to put content out for the sake of putting content out. Right. And um, especially on YouTube, I think it's a much harder grind than compared to TikTok to get that initial, um, you know, 1K followers or like whatnot. So uh, definitely I think once I start, putting more focus and shift onto that i think um youtube is definitely the long-time game and obviously brand on tiktok i mean on instagram as well so that's like the main kind of platform that i see at the moment perfect and i want to talk about your tiktok toolbox so to create 
videos on TikTok on to be this content creator, do you use any other apps except TikTok to aid you with this? And if you do, please um, list them. Yeah, I actually do. So recently I started using um, this video editor called Splice. Um, you know, not affiliated with them or anything, but like I they're like I find it really easy to edit my videos on TikTok with them. So um, initially I just used to do it through the TikTok app, but that's literally the only like app I use. So TikTok and Splice and, and that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> wow, I mean it's a powerful combo because we're seeing results. Um, so so that's very good. And you mentioned of course that you're still at university and I'm really interested to know um how studying computer science is going. So you've talked to me about entrepreneurship, you've talked to me a bit about content creation and how much income you can actually make from being a content creator. But of course all of this is part-time because you're a full-time mm-hmm. student. So what does the next two to three years look like upon graduation are you going into tech are you going to be a coder are you going to take content creation full-time yeah no um i think i'm definitely probably not going to go into like a job like after i'm not going to say definitely but you know it's not it's not in the plans to be honest but you know i enjoy doing it like there's certain modules that i really enjoy and i'm like oh wow like this is interesting you know i could use this in the future like that was another reason i kind of um went into computer science as well because it's like um, even if I don't use the degree, right, like later or down the line, like I'll have that experience. I know like coding is not really a thing. In my opinion, you need a degree for because there's so many like boot camps available um, and you can just like base off that. So I think I'm probably, well, I'm going to go into content creation a lot more um, and just like work on other parts of my business and just really focus on that, to be honest, because um, I'm not really planning to go or too keen on like kind of working into a job after. So you talked about businesses um, and I realised you started a company called TSA Media. Can you talk to me a bit about that? Yeah, so um, I'm in the process of building my, um, so I'm building a email marketing company. So, you know, just kind of working with e-commerce brands and um, like helping them generate money through emails or like keep more customer retention and, you know, they don't really have to spend extra on ads and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on building and scaling. In terms of emails, what what made you venture into emails and using that in order to bring value to your clients? Yeah, um, I initially actually started out, you know, trying to provide Facebook ads as a service because, you know, that was a huge thing and, like, you can get crazy returns if you do the ads right. But uh, what I found was, you know, maybe obviously it was me as well not reaching out to the right people, but um, a lot of them didn't have the budget to spend, like, on Facebook because, you know, you need quite a decent amount. I wouldn't say like start with like five pounds or something. Um, you need a decent amount. So I saw that and, you know, just being in the space, I kind of uh, found out about emails and like, you know, how that can generate a lot of revenue. Like literally, um, I think it's so underrated, especially with e-commerce stores, right, that it can generate up to like 40%, 50% of a whole store's um, revenue. So I really found that valuable. I actually enjoyed like the whole email process and like kind of, working with like Clavio, which is an email service provider and um, just working with people to actually do that and, you know, bring in value for them. Yes. You call yourself the email sensei. (laughs) (laughs) So um, talk to me, how did you become, um, how did you become more valuable in terms of writing emails such that clients are literally willing to pay you, um, you know, a lot of money 
in order to do that? Because someone might think, you know, writing emails really, mm-hmm. but what, what's the type of income you can get from that? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm still like kind of starting out. So like, I, I just got that email sensei name to, you know, just reserve the handle a bit. But, um, you know, I think, it, I think it's really valuable to be honest, like emails, to be honest, um, in essence, it's like just copywriting. So I think copywriting, copywriting is a huge thing, right? Um, even if you write copy, like you're, you're getting sold in terms of like when you see stuff, right? It's all copywriting. Like when you see product pages, like there's copywriting there. So um, there's text there that sells you. What exactly is copywriting? Because I know that's not a common term that many people know. Yeah. So I think copywriting is mainly like, you know, just literally the copy you see or like the text, let me call it text because, you know, copy might be confusing, but um, text you see on like, you know, maybe like a sales page or like just on a website, right? When you go onto a website, you'll see like text about it and stuff. And that is called copy, right? So if you write good copy, it's obviously going to incentivize people to, purchase more or like go down the website a bit more and more likely turn them into a customer. So I think that can be really powerful and it just translate across, translates across to your speaking as well. When you speak with other people like within sales or even just like having relationships like one-on-one, um, just like, yeah, just in terms of any relationship, to be honest. Yes. No, I'm actually really, really um, interested to know Let's say that the valuable podcast, we're building our subscribers and our mailing list and we want to write a newsletter filled of great value or an email, should I say. What would you recommend? What are the sort of gems, the structures? How do you go about writing something with a great CTA? And what I mean by CTA, a great call to action. Yeah, um, I think that's really interesting because, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities whether you're starting a newsletter or whether you're selling a product, right? Because the main structure that they kind of give is like, okay, like a header, like that's, um, you know, attention grabbing. So obviously within the newsletter kind of group, like whoever's on the list, um, you know, they're obviously interested in the stuff that you're already talking about. So I would probably start off by um, talking about certain topics that maybe they haven't listened to, or you think that would be valuable to them and just kind of being like, okay, like, you know, attention grabbing headline, the subject, that subject kind of leads them on to like read. So it makes them more curious about uh, what's in the actual email. And then in the email, just have like, like a storytelling kind of thing. So not even like salesy or like kind of process, just like literally if you're having a conversation with someone, because that's what you're doing, right? You're talking to a person, not talking to uh, another computer. Right. So um, just doing that and um, kind of just raising their curiosity as you go so much that they want to, um, click that call to action button so like wherever it is like learn more or like schedule a call with me stuff like that so um i think that would be the main structure for a newsletter like that thank you thank you and guys that is how you get free information um to apply it in order to increase the amount of value you provide and um, thank you so much i guess my next question for you is that someone will look at ash and they'll think wow he does an enormous amount of things would you consider yourself a jack of all trades um no not at all actually i feel like i do not enough things but um you know some like i have so many things going on in my head i'm like oh yeah like i want to try this out and try this out um but i think it's important to stay within one kind of like industry or one kind of skill 
and just focus on that because you're going to learn a lot more doing that than trying to be the jack of all trades. Like, you know, it's good to have like a generic knowledge on like different kind of topics and stuff, but um, I don't think you're really going to be specialized in one specific skill um, if you don't actually focus on it because um, I've done that myself, like, you know, just kind of in the entrepreneurship space and like trying to make money online jump from like drop shipping to like forex um like tried that as well and like a number of different things right but actually sticking with it or like st- sticking with a skill i've seen the most growth and success doing that than rather than trying to try everything yes and i think you mentioned something which is really important there because what i noticed from you you spot opportunities and um before anyone can exploit an opportunity they need to find it if they're not, if they don't find it, they need to create it. So, how do you go about creating or finding opportunities in order to exploit? Um, I think the main way of finding opportunities as well is like by putting yourself in uh, places where like the opportunity is going to be there. Now, that that sounds really like vague, but um, if you just kind of like you know dive into whatever space like you're interested in, right? Like you're gonna see, you're gonna start seeing opportunities. Like even when I started reading books, right? Like um the stuff i learned from that book i might have not have applied it or used it straight away but then when i hear something right i hear it in a different perspective because um of how that book changed my mindset so then it's like oh like that's an opportunity for this because like that's how it relates to like another certain thing for example right so it's like you just kind of start seeing it in a different kind of vision and um, opportunities almost come to you because you're like you know so into that space or like you're diving in uh, you're always around other people who are also in that space and um, your mind just starts working really yes it sounds to me like you're telling people they need to be in the right rooms so mm-hmm. probably if they're in the right rooms already they get that flow of information whether it's a book whether it's an opportunity and that all boils down to network and i'm really a big emphasize on networking but besides from books where else do you sort of get your information from um initially it was obviously books um youtube a lot of youtubers that watch like finance youtubers or entrepreneurship like trying to make money uh and courses a lot of courses um paid for mentorships and um recently you know like i love podcasts obviously you know i love listening to podcasts and um audiobooks as well so i mean audiobooks books kind of in the same category but those are like kind of my main sources so honestly how much do you think you've spent on your personal development um i'm not even too sure but a minimum about 5k so far um but yeah like that you know i would have to like go back and kind of count but around like minimum 5k and i don't ask that question to to brag oh ash has spent more than you in terms of um, personal development because everyone's situation and circumstance is different and like i said there's a lot of free information out there but i think sometimes you sort of have to pay um for access to value not even the value itself and i think that's a such a big gem but on the topic of information and finance um do you ever feel like a fraud like talking about finance and 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 teaching people because i'm sure they might be 40 year old 20 years in finance um they're cfa um they're qualified like they're they're big heavy hitters Mm. in the game and they're thinking who's this um young boy talking about finance and he's got three hundred thousand followers like do you ever feel like a fraud yeah definitely understand what you mean um i wouldn't uh, put it as fraud uh more of like imposter syndrome kind of thing so you know it's like oh like, like like you said like 
there's literally qualified people talking about it um, and like people aren't really listening or like they don't have a huge following, right? But I only talk about things that I'm actually um, confident about and obviously not like really in depth, like where it's to the stage like, oh, I should be a chartered accountant or something like that. Um, but I wouldn't really tell people to do stuff. It's like, okay, cool. Like this is a situation, look at the situation and like um, try and just think about how you can apply it to yourself or in, in that sort of thing. And, you know, like I'm interested in myself. I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, but I'm learning as I go along and I'm not going to put content out that I don't think is going to be valuable. Right. So if it's valuable, I'm going to put it out. And, um, you know, it's not just like, uh, like fake stuff or like, uh, made up stuff. Right. It, it's stuff that's actually facts. Cause a lot of like financial stuff are like factual. It's not just based up, up, on an opinion or something. So, um, yeah, definitely had like imposter syndrome type of vibe. And like even talk to people who like, you know, like yourself, study finance or, um, the finance is the actual job and you know they've reached out to me and be like oh like this is like great kind of content you know um seeing it is great and um i'm glad you're doing something like this so um yeah no that's really good it sounds like you have a really good support system around you that's um that supports you and help you but have there been anyone that hasn't supported you on your journey um what's what are some of the struggles you sort of faced um i'm not sure about not support but like you know there's definitely people who've been like oh like you know uh you're like on tiktok I, i'm not i don't really go out and people tell people like oh yeah i'm on tiktok or like i'm a tiktok creator or finance um but like you know obviously people have that kind of um view on tiktok about oh yeah it's like you know for kids or like people dance on it and stuff like that so it's definitely been funny to hear those stories but it's never been like oh like you need to get off tiktok or, like you shouldn't be on there but at the same time, I feel like it would be a different story if I wasn't at like maybe 300k followers, right? If I was still on 5k, they would be like, bro, what are you doing? Or like, I don't know, but that's just my thoughts. Yes, I, I bet they're not talking now when you're getting free k a post. <laughs> <laughs> they probably want um want some bringings. Um, no, that's that's really good. And so, what are you sort of working on next? Um, yeah, so like I said. I'm mainly focusing on you know building my agency, uh, the email marketing. So you know, just working on getting a team set up for that because, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it while I'm doing uni as well because, you know, it is so important for me to get a decent grade and come out with a degree. You know, I spent about 60K on it already on the degree. So, uh, like, it's important to actually get that finished. And, um, yeah, so that's my main goal. And after summer, well, after uni in the summer, probably just focus mainly on those two things, the email marketing and content creation perfect perfect and for somebody listening um that wants to be a content creator really inspired by what you're doing what's the one piece of advice that you'll leave with them um just get started and you know you'll start you'll see what works um in your like whatever you're interested in and um that you just be consistent so just get started and be consistent and if they had a backpack and they can fill 10 items into it to get started, what would you put? So you can include books, you can include apps, you can include okay. people. <laughs> what, what would you um, put? So this is for content creation. Absolutely. Um, literally something to record with, whether it's a phone, camera, whatever you got. Um, you don't even need a tripod, to be honest, but I'll throw a tripod in this. It says 10. Um, and definitely read Rich that for that if you haven't read it. Um, look into like different youtubers how does i can't put them in a backpack but um you know just books i think the books are the main thing since you can definitely put that in and what type of things that like personal development and like 
personal finance books because I feel like they go hand in hand, right? Because if you're going to try to go into like entrepreneurship or like business, right, you're going to need to handle finance at one point. And if you can't handle it, like, you know, you're going to lose it or it's going to be 10 times harder for you. So personal development and like personal finance book, right? Uh, books, I think I'd definitely recommend. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like I'll Teach You to Be Rich, Think and Grow Rich. Atomic Habits was really powerful as well. So, you know, I'll just leave those books for now, but I don't know how many items that is. I think got no, like seven. no worries. What we'll do, we'll actually, um, we'll get you to, to write that out and we'll put it yeah. into our weekly newsletter. Sure. So if you are not subscribed to the valuable podcast, please make sure you do. Um, you'll find the link below this episode. Um, and last but not least, Ash, where can they find you? Where can they follow you, support you and learn uh, much more about you? Yeah, sure. Um, so my socials are all the same. So Ash S Thapper. So, you know, um, I'm on TikTok, Instagram mainly. So those are my like two main pages. So, uh, you know, I'll re- respond to DMs and stuff on Instagram. So I'm going to open book on there. So feel free to reach out and I'll be happy to help where I can. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ash, for coming on the Valuable Podcast. You've been very, very valuable and um, dropped a lot of information and gems for us. And I wish you all the best thank you for having me on you've been a great host thank you for listening if you like this episode please leave a review on apple Podcasts and follow us on social media at valuable podcast last but not least for exclusive detailed content sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.valuablepodcast.com remember increase the value you provide and you'll rise in due time